Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Fiction. Science fiction. Horror. Fantasy. Crime. LGBT. Thriller. You Welcome back into the house of mystery. I'm Al Warren, Mr. Dave North Martino. Oh, it's hosting today. Okay. Yes. yes, I thought I'd be polite. I got, I got wow. some more. No, we got some more uh, listener views, and they um, some. I'm getting more reviews about me being mean. So, <laughs> you know, I'm being too. I'm, I'm not. I'm not. Why am I so mean to you? Okay. Yeah. Why? And that's the Why? question. Yeah. I keep, yeah, that's what they keep asking. <laughs> and it's like, well, because Dave's into being beaten and tied up and <laughs> being called names and, you know, thrown in the base. He's, he's talking about martial arts. Well, that too. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. So I just thought I'd set that straight that, you know, I'm, I'm only filling his everyday need. Yeah. Of abuse. <laughs> abuse. That's why I'm here. That's right. That's my daily, <laughs> my daily wants, dose. He wants to get whipped mentally <laughs> and physically. Just mm-hmm. doesn't end. Okay. for punishment. I guess so. You know. Well, let's just move on, okay? Because I know we've got a guest waiting here. So uh, he's got a book out called Shadow Drive, and um, so let's bring him in, Nolan Cubero. So thank you for being here. Yeah, thank you for having me. Well, Nolan, um, this is your first novel, I see. So. Um, and you were uh, directing, you were, you know, doing filmmaking and stuff. So why the change? Like, what happened? Yeah, I, I had always been writing fiction on the side, but had been, you know, trying my hardest to to write and direct stuff. But I, I just sort of became interested in mystery and crime and thriller novels. And it had been sort of in my mind to write one. And so I finally got around to do it. And then I wrote this. Do, do you find that, because you've directed films, 
do you find that you write like a director or did you direct like you write? Do you know what I'm saying? Like there's a different sort of take on it on, on when you're writing a mystery. Do you write it like a play? I mean, I definitely think about it in images when I'm writing um, as much as like thoughts and, you know, Shadow Drive is written in first person. So the voice and the thoughts of the character come in. But I often think about it in, you know, how everything appears to him um, in a way you might with a movie, the way you would see images, you know, this uh, a character looking at something and seeing it. So when I'm writing, I'm definitely sort of envisioning a film in my mind. Right. So it comes across almost like a, like a yeah, movie in a way or a play. I wonder, so, so your, your characters here, do you also see them? Do you, because like when you create characters, like you, the landlord Gabriel and, and people like that in your foray of character. So when you, do you actually see who they are and what they look like, and or do you hear them? How? What's your relationship like? Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I hadn't really thought of it until you said that, but I think that some characters I definitely see. Like, there's a handyman Pete, and I had a very clear image of you know his face. But I think like the landlord Gabe, he's he's the main character. But in my, I never really pictured a face for him. It it sort of just felt like just someone. I knew uh, it felt like a character that came across, but yeah, I, now that you mentioned, it's like, I never really did imagine a face. Picture Dave. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about hearing? Can you hear your characters? Do you have an inner monologue? Is that how you've created, um, let's say dialogue in your films and um, in this novel, or uh, is there some other way? Yeah. I think that sound, you know, I had written this movie that, I had some managers when we were trying to get it made for, for a while that was very sound driven. And it was, I worked on that for like basically like a year, actually probably like two years with so many revisions we went through. And so I feel like sound, not just the dialogue, but all the little sound effects going on, you know, doors closing, um, cars, engines, stuff like that is always very important. Or it's like at the front of my mind when I'm writing something, it's like, what is the perception that the character has? Like, I really want you to, I really want the audience, the reader, to feel the way he feels. So I think that sound definitely drives it that way. But I think, too, with more specifically in dialogue, I think it's like, yeah, the rhythm of dialogue is really what's driving me. So I think that I am sort of hearing that in my mind, how they're saying it. Right. I, I, I would imagine you want to play it out because the dialogue's got to be real. You know what I mean? Like you kind of almost got to speak it out loud, I would think, or think about, how it's yeah. done because if the dialogue doesn't sound real yeah yeah one thing i felt like i i learned a lot with directing films was just working with actors in the way that i would write a line of dialogue and an actor would come to me and say like you know i uh this doesn't seem right um the way this is said and so sometimes we would like improv some scenes and stuff and i feel like all of that helped me with writing dialogue for fiction because i'm always thinking like is this the most natural way, you know, just, I mean, it's not even a conscious thought, but it's more just, I'm feeling through like how I would imagine this would be going in real life. So which actors were that were a pain in the ass? <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> let's get some names here. We, yeah. we won't tell anyone. <laughs> no, I mean, I think it's almost all of them. I think that a lot of actors have, you know, they're not, they have their own way of saying something, you know, everybody, you know, I would say something some way, you would say something a different way. And so I think that a lot of people read stuff and they try to envision themselves saying it and they feel like, I don't know if this is me. I don't know if this is the character. And I think they put so much focus on 
what they're saying that it, you know, they're, they're so focused on each line of dialogue, whereas I might have written it in like 15 seconds, you know, I might have written just that one sentence really shortly, but they're going it over in their house ahead of time. So they've got this intense focus on it that really like when they come, you know, the questions are always great. I, I found is that it's like, does this really make sense in light of this? So I always found it super helpful. And it, I tried, at least when I'm writing fiction, to always keep that in mind, like someone who's actually saying this, what's all the emotions they're bringing to this one sentence? Right, right. Yeah. Perspective is so important, right? Um, yes. Of the character that, you know, you got to fall into it. So, so what is Shadow Drive? What's the premise about this book? Yeah, so it's about a landlord, this landlord, Gabe, who rents out his house to a new tenant. And... Basically, after he hands over the keys, he realizes that everything she told him about her life, like her name, where she lived previously, her living situation, um, all of it was made up. And when he goes over there to try to talk to her, he sees that she's changed all the locks on the doors and she's covered all the windows in newspaper. And he also realizes she's targeted this house specifically. So it's he's trying to undercover the mystery of why did she want to rent this house and why did she cover all the windows? Like, what is she doing in that house? What is she hiding? Wow. Yeah, that's interesting. That's a, that's a totally, it, it's fresh. It's totally different. That's for sure. Um, it's like he got the monsters moving in or something. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you have a subtext? Is there a meaning behind this story? Is there something you want people to get? I mean, it, you know, the house in Shadow Drive is Gabe's ex-wife's house. So basically what happens before the story starts, you kind of learn as it goes on, is that he and his ex-wife Anya had got a divorce, but then their teenage daughter got in a drunk driving accident that she caused, and it was a really serious accident. She got injured, and at the hospital, Gabe and his ex-wife Anya reconciled, and they moved back in together. So that's why her house is empty. And then he decides to rent it out. So in some ways, as he's diving into this mystery of what's going on at this house, he also sort of diving into the time of of his ex-wife's life during the part where they were separated. So it's sort of a, you know, it's, it's a mystery into what's going on there, but he's also sort of learning more about the person he's living with. Is, is the house itself almost like a character in the book? Yeah, I think, you know, I really wanted it to be sort of a, a standard house in a lot of ways, like a standard, you drive down the street, nothing would stand out. So it's, you know, it's a typical like 50s ranch house, but it, in a lot of ways, what's going on with the house, you know, one, you know, there's lots of little specific things in the house. You know, there's like a doggy door on the back door that at first might not seem like anything, but then plays a part later. There's lots of little I want it to be a standard house, but have lots of features that would stand out later. One thing that's interesting about it is this landlord, Gabe, he's not like a big time landlord. He's like a small landlord who has like, I think he has like seven properties total that he's accumulated over the years. And he's someone who really takes pride in the houses he has. You know, he's enthusiastic about architecture and different stuff. And this house his ex-wife bought is just boring to him. But a lot of the things that he finds boring, these little mundane features like a doggy door, or a sliding door, they all come to play later in the story. So in some ways, it's it's a character that's a boring character that ends up, I guess, paying off in ways you wouldn't expect. Well, so it, do, you, do you think when you do a mystery like this, are you including much violence or is it more just tension and suspense mystery? Um, it's mainly tension and suspense, but there is 
you know, without giving it away. There is definitely violence in there, but it's mainly attention and suspense. Are you conscious then? Or are you thinking about how much violence you want to put in, put in a book or on, write it on the page, how you do it? I mean, I guess I don't think it, of it necessarily in terms of like violence in particular, but more as like ramping up the tension in a certain way. And so sometimes that might come out physically, but I don't know. I mean, in this novel, I think all of the the story kind of just like came to me naturally, but I do think uh, working on another book and I definitely feel like, oh, I don't know if there's enough like of a, you know, a physical like actiony scene in it. So I, in Shadow Drive, it didn't come up as much because I kind of felt like all of the actiony or violent pieces all just flowed really well with the story. But on the next thing I'm working on, it's like, I still want to give readers that kind of, you know, that intensity. So it's, it's not something I thought of in Shadow Drive, but it's definitely something on my mind. Yeah. It's something to, to, you have to really work out. It has to, I think it just has to fit the story and the characters, right? The amount of, you know, you know, violence or the tension or however you're doing it. It's, it's kind of got to fit the, the characters that are in the, in the, in the book. So, yes. Um, yeah. Otherwise it can be too much you yes, know, or yeah. not enough. It's, it's, it's probably the toughest thing to, to get down in thriller sort of stuff, you know? Right. So where do you, where do you think this comes from for you? Like I, I should say this first. Do you, did you come up with the story first or did you have a couple of characters or one character before the story? It was mainly the, uh, I guess it was sort of a mix between having the main character, the the landlord guy. You know, I had I'd read lots of different mysteries and thrillers I liked, and I liked when someone was sort of an expert in a certain field. So I liked um, reading like Michael Connolly's The Lincoln Lawyer, and you have this lawyer who's walking you through all the stuff, and he's also explaining everything. And so I always thought like a an interesting other sort of subfield was these sort of small time landlords I'd met different people who did this, you know, who by the time they reached their 40s or 50s had decided to spend the savings from their job on this side progress or this side income of being a landlord. And so I always thought that person was interesting because we often think of landlords in the slumlord sense. But the people I met were, you know, passionate about their properties and about their tenants. So I always thought something like that would be interesting. And then I had heard about someone who moved into a house and they had put newspapers on the windows. And I just thought, what could they be doing in there? And so it was sort of a mixture of those two things coming together and thinking, oh, this would be a good premise for a book. Do you ever, do you ever kind of take people you know in life that you've met or even come across or seen in a grocery store or a coffee shop and sort of taken their character or persona of somewhat and put it into a book like this and ask one of the characters? Um, in this, I don't really think so. I mean, in some ways, I think there's, you know, sometimes there's physical attributes of someone. You know, um, Pete, the handyman here, wears a you. Uh, if you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. A University of Kentucky hat, which is, the, the book is set in Kentucky. And it's something, I grew up in Kentucky, and it's something I just noticed all the time when I was in Kentucky, the amount of guys that I imagine Pete, this handyman being like, were all wearing UK hats at the grocery everywhere I ran into them. So there's little details like that. But then on the persona part, I think there are people I've met who have like, yeah, certain philosophies, uh, certain ways of looking at life. And I think it's fun to take a character and sort of run with that like philosophy or outlook or persona rather than like it being that character more just like you know like one thing the landlord in this is he's an optimist and there's lots of people i've known in my life who are optimists i'm not one i wish i was but there's something about that attitude that i find i guess i'm like skeptical of and so this was sort of taking that that optimistic outlook and trying to be like okay you think everything's like going to turn out okay. Let me put you in a really tough situation and see how that philosophy holds up. So I think that's, that's part of it, but I don't know if I, I don't think I ever really like take someone and put them straight into the book. Yeah. Let's take that 
optimistic, nice guy and beat him down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, how much of yourself do you think goes into your characters, like especially like the main character, like Gabriel? Is there a lot of you in it, even though he might be a different character? I mean, I guess in a lot of ways, I think of it as this completely separate person. But I like two of my closest friends when they read it, you know, they both pointed out like a certain passage and were like, that's totally you. And I think, so I think there's parts of me that like poke through, but I think for the most part, I'm trying to do someone that's different from me, but has, I guess it can't help, but there's some aspects of me that, you know, come through in it. The real mean parts. Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah. That is the point they they pointed out was something a, a little bit, uh, yeah, less, less nice and optimistic as the guy is normally. So it's funny <laughs> you said that. <laughs> Yeah. Well, why first person? Is there a reason you decided on that point of view as opposed to like third or, or, or another? Yeah, I think for me, I really wanted to give, well, one, I think I'm just drawn to it more naturally. I tend to like books written in first person more. Um, I mean, obviously some of my favorite books are written in third person, but I, and then on top of that, I really like books that you focus on or and movies as well that you focus on one person's perspective and I wanted this to be a mystery that this guy was trying to solve and I really felt like I didn't need to go to any other people's perspectives to to really tell the story so I felt like it made the most sense and I also wanted I thought it would be the best way that you could get a sense of this guy's character you know his optimism his his point of views so that's that's sort of, I guess, all the reasons why I chose that. How long did it take you to write this book? I wrote I wrote it pretty quickly. Like the first draft was like, I think it was like six weeks. And then once, I mean, there was like revisions with my agent and with uh, Blackstone, right, the right. publisher. But yeah, the first draft, I mean, the first like before I sent it off, it was probably about like a six week process of writing the first draft and revising it. Do you think you learned anything from writing the book? Yeah, I think. You know, I had worked on so many screenplays and edited, you know, films that I had directed and felt like I was really making progress in that, in those skills. But then when I wrote the book, I just felt like, I'd always felt like movies had so many more tools. You have music, you have actors' faces, you have set design, so many ways to convey information to the reader. But when I wrote this book, I just like really felt like, wait, there's so many ways I can connect with People, I mean, hopefully, I, it just felt like there was a lot more ways to talk about like the nuanced emotions of the character that you couldn't really do for a movie. So it made me just a lot more interested in, you know, fiction generally than I was. I mean, I always have been a fan, but it just made me realize like how powerful the tool it really is. Yeah, it's quite a bit more, isn't it? I mean, you when you write, you're right. There's so much more. You've got the actor's face, their expressions. You've got the music. You've got the even the place, the scene, everything's there, right? You can have the dark house with the papers yeah. on the windows and stuff, and that all comes across to the viewer. But in a book, you sort of have to describe that all so that people can picture it. So it's quite a bit more work. Yeah, I mean, I think, like, one thing that I found is, you know, there's sometimes, like, little subtle face facial emotion responses that an actor can make that I found when I was writing. I found it hard to convey what was going on with their face in the same way that their facial expression would. And I think at first I kind of was like frustrated with that, but then as time came on, I realized like, 
okay, that might be a tool I don't have here. I mean, sure, I could go and describe it in like two or three sentences, but nobody's going to want to read that much description about someone's face. So I felt like I had to like accept that that was something I lost, but I just felt like, yeah, there was so much to gain in being inside this character's head that you just really can't get in a movie without, you know, having wall-to-wall narration, which could be, you know, boring in some movies. Yeah, and it's got to be done just right, right? You can't overdo certain parts of it or it doesn't come across properly, right. you know, you know, or it can it can take people out of the story. So what do you, so what do you like better, uh, directing or writing? I mean, I think that being in, like, a room by myself writing – like finishing something I've written is like super satisfying or just writing a passage that I like is super satisfying. So I think that I like the process, the the actual like creative control of writing fiction more. But as far as like being on set with people and having other people contribute, it's like other people present good ideas. And so I, I definitely like that. And I like, you know, just the, I like being around people, so that's fun. But for the, I think when it comes down to it, I do like being able to just have like full control, and I like I like writing fiction because yeah, you can be in complete control of what you're doing. Whereas on a film, you know, it's not it's not just that other people have ideas because that's those almost always help. Even if you disagree, they might help you figure out how to more precisely state your idea. But there's also just like you know the weather isn't how you want it to be or, you know, somebody's late or, you know, so many things can't be the way you want them to be just because of physical constraints. But with fiction, anything's possible. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So what do you, what are you working on now? Are you, are you going to be continuing writing fiction then or are you doing something a little different? Yeah. I mean, so basically like once COVID happened, I had stopped doing any, cause everything had stopped. So I had stopped my sort of like, aggressive drive to always be getting something made and then just have been focusing on fiction since then. And at the same time, I've been going to law school the last two and a half years. So I've basically, I'm still like working on screenplays, but for the most part at this point in time, fiction is the main thing I'm focusing on. Right. So you kind of like the darker stories. Is that it? Yeah, definitely. Like, I think it's just more where my mind goes. Like, even when it comes to like comedy and stuff, I like darker humor, but I think just the stories that are about darker subject matters are, they just have always compelled me. It seems interesting. Like, you know, the, the furthest reaches of, you know, our imagination of what we might do in a certain situation. It just, it just feels fascinating to me. Are you sort of planning out your story when you write it, even your new one? Do you kind of have it all outlined in that, or are you just, flying by page to page day to day i think more like day to day i think like basically i have a general idea which you know when i was writing screenplays i was so often doing like super detailed outlines and making sure everything was like you know super well structured before i actually wrote the screenplay and i think one thing i really liked about writing fiction was I could just sit there each day and just add a new scene. And I think because I had done so much of that, like structuring and outlining with movies, a lot of that stuff was happening subconsciously, but I'm definitely more someone who just sits down and, you know, I I have a general idea of what I'm doing, but for the most part, I just want to kind of write, you know, the story take me. It's like kind of like I was saying, like the, the doggy door or stuff like that. Those things 
weren't intended to feature later in the book, but they were things like there was just little details that came about from me just writing, you know, describing something or just, and then later an idea would occur to me. And if I had been outlining some of those small details never would have popped in my mind. So I, I definitely like to just write one page after another. Yeah. By the seat of your pants. Yes. <laughs> Which is how I do too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, in doing that, and, and do your characters ever surprise you? Have, um, I know these other little details have surprised you and, you know, kind of like the subconscious mind basically turns the stuff over and then it becomes, oh, <laughs> that's why I wrote this. But have you had characters kind of pull the, the novel into directions that you didn't really want to go? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, I, I think a lot about, you know, the movie Casino, the Scorsese De Niro movie. I, I don't know if you've right. seen it, but, um, basically, uh, Scorsese talks about making that movie and he says, you know, there was so much improv that was going on with like De Niro and Pesci and Sharon Stone that he kind of felt like he was watching the movie be made. And he felt like that was when he was, that's when he feels the best about making a movie is when he has like the least control and the characters are taking over. And I definitely feel a similar way um, when I'm writing with some characters where it just kind of feels like, I mean, obviously I'm the one typing it out, but it feels like, there's such a realized person that I'm not even really like dictating what's happening. It's more they're driving stuff. So it's definitely like I get that I'm technically the one typing it, but it sometimes does feel as almost like the ideas are flowing so fast into my head of what they should do and say that it feels like I'm doing nothing and I'm just watching. So you're going to school for law, right? You're taking a law or did you already finish that? How, how, do, how do you apply that to your to your writing or do you? Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I've got another semester. I'm like at the, I have one more semester after I finish this one, which I have a week left in. But um, yeah, I think, you know, the I kind of thought, I think the best thing that it's taught me is research skills and how to figure out like what the law is in a lot of places and to, to really understand the world in a, a more full way, at least like the criminal world in a more full way. Because it's just kind of like, I think before I kind of felt like, oh, I'll Google something and figure out what the law is. But now I know how to look up cases and statutes and how to figure that out. And I think on top of that, you know, we read so many crazy cases that have happened over the years that it just I think it just sort of expands my mind, my imagination a bit. So I think those are the main ways it really has affected my writing. And then actually, on top of that, I think a lot of law school, at least has been about being more precise with your language. And so I think it helps me try to think of ways to be more precise because that's a big thing of what we talk about. How was it uh, when you write over COVID or something like that, when that's going on, Did it does it affect you at all? I guess I found it as a, like a way to do, I, I guess I just found it, I guess it didn't affect me in like a negative way. It, it, it felt like a fun project to work on and to not um, to not have any other distractions. I think that's something I found hard because a lot of times when I'm like, you know, writing screenplays or making films, I'm still like, you know, holding down a job and trying to do this stuff on the side to try to make something happen. And it always was like job or real life was getting in the way. And so I found during COVID it to be nice to not have these other things be in the way and to just be able to focus on writing. Yeah, not have to deal with people as much. Yeah. <laughs> so listen, and now are you doing a website, social media? Where do you like people and readers to find you? Yeah, um, I've got a website, nolancubero.com, and then I'm also on Instagram 
at uh, slash Nolan Cubero. So the, those are the two main places. Okay. Now we're going to have that up as well as your book and all the information uh, on our website too, so people can find it real easy. Now the book is called Shadow Drive, and the guest is the author of that book, Nolan Cubero. So thank you for being here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Thanks, Nolan. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show is over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This is the production of something with media. I'll be back. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show is over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.